0: LITTLE SERMONS IN SOCIALISM BY ABRAHAM LINCOLN BY BURKE MCCARTY This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. We do not claim that Abraham Lincoln was a socialist, for the word had not been coined in his day. We do not claim that he would, if he had lived, been a socialist today, for we do not know this. We do claim and know, however, that Abraham Lincoln was in spirit to the hour of his death a class-conscious working man, that his sympathies were with that class, that he voiced the great principles of the modern constructive socialism of today, and that, had he lived and been loyal and consistent with these principles which he always professed, he would be found within the ranks of the socialist party. Burke-McCarty 1. Away back in 1847, Abraham Lincoln uttered the following revolutionary language. In the early days of our race, the Almighty said to the first of our race, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. And since then, if we accept the light and air of heaven, no good thing has been or can be enjoyed by us without having first cost labor and inasmuch as most good things are produced by labor it follows that all such things of a right belong to those whose labor has produced them but it so happened in all ages of the world that some have labored and others have without labor enjoyed a large proportion of the fruits this is wrong and should not continue to secure each laborer the whole product of his labor or as nearly as possible is a worthy object of any good government quote. see lincoln's complete works nicholley and hay volume one page ninety two isn't it odd that away back in eighteen forty seven at about the time that marx and engels were printing the manifesto in europe abraham lincoln an obscure self-educated lawyer in swampy illinois got hold of this central concept of socialism isn't it strange that the grand old party which always parades the name of Lincoln and rarely quotes the language of Lincoln, has given no attention to this, the greatest thought of Lincoln, the right of the laborer to the whole product of his labor. We amiably ask Republicans to answer, not us, but to answer Abraham Lincoln. 2. Everyone who reads the capitalist press has noticed how persistently such papers fan international and radical quarrels and urge the necessity of this or that nation arming itself. Socialists are constantly urging the workers of the world to unite. Where did Lincoln stand on this subject? In an address to the Working Men's Association, November 21, 1864, Mr. Lincoln said, quote, the strongest bond of human sympathy outside the family relation should be one uniting all working people of all nations tongues and kindreds see life of lincoln by coffin page 395 when the workers of the world follow this wise advice of lincoln and the socialists there will be no wars for after all War is nothing more than one set of working men shooting down another set of working men in order to protect the big corporations. How many wars would we have if the capitalists had to do the fighting? 3. Socialists the world over are being condemned for voicing the very sentiments which Abraham Lincoln uttered in his annual message July 5, 1861. Quote, I desire to preserve this government, that it may be administered for all as it was administered by the men who made it. On the side of the Union, it is a struggle to maintain in the world that form and substance of government whose leading object is to elevate the condition of men, lift artificial burdens from all shoulders, and clear the path of laudable pursuits for all. To afford all an unfettered start and a fair chance in the race of life. This is the leading object of government for which we contend. End quote. See Life of Lincoln by Barrett, page 266. No socialist could put forth our contention more forcibly and concisely than Lincoln does here to afford all an unfettered start and a fair chance in the race of life. That is what we are demanding, and nothing short of that will we accept. 4. On June 13, 1836, in announcing his political views, Lincoln went on record for woman suffrage when he said, I go for all sharing the privileges of the government who assist in bearing its burdens. Consequently, I go for admitting all whites to the right of suffrage who pay taxes or bear arms, by no means excluding females. See Coffin, page 89. Again, he said in an interview at Springfield, Illinois, quote, I am opposed to the limitation or lessening of the right of suffrage. If anything, I am in favor of its extension or enlargement. I want to lift men up to broaden rather than contract their privileges. Quote. See Herndon, page 625. This was said later when the question of Negro slavery was beginning to stir up the country to a white heat abraham lincoln never deviated nor flinched when it was a question of human justice he was always with the people five abraham lincoln strongly voices the position of socialists when he says no men living are more worthy to be trusted than those who toil up from poverty none less inclined to take or touch aught which they have not honestly earned Let them beware of surrendering a political power which they already possess, and which, if surrendered, will surely be used to close the door of advancement against such as they, and to fix new disabilities and burdens upon them, till all of liberty shall be lost. See Annual Message, December 3, 1861 It is the constant effort of capitalism to place labor beneath it in the structures of the government. Capital preaches, and thousands of working men believe it, that the whole bottom of the social system would fall out if the capitalists, the men of brains, were to step down and out. And so long as the majority of the working class continue to hold this opinion, just that long will they be enslaved. How many railroads would be built? How many deserts would be made to blossom? How many skyscrapers would be erected? How much coal would be mined? How much manufacturing would be done, think you, if labor stepped down and out? If labor does all these things, why should it surrender its political power? For it has political power to its enemy. 6. At Cincinnati, Ohio, September 17, 1859, in a speech mr lincoln said i hold that if there is any one thing that can be proved to be the will of heaven by external nature around us without reference to revelation it is the proposition that whatever any one man earns with his hands and by the sweat of his brow he shall enjoy in peace i say that whereas god almighty has given every man one mouth to be fed and one pair of hands adapted to furnish food for that mouth if anything can be proved to be the will of heaven it is proved by the fact that that mouth is to be fed by those hands without being interfered with by any other man who also has his mouth to feed and his hands to labor with i hold that if the almighty had ever made a set of men that should do all of the eating and none of the work he would have made them with mouths only and no hands And if he had ever made another class that he intended should do all the work and none of the eating, he would have made them without mouths and with all hands. Inasmuch as he has not chosen to make man in that way, if anything is proved, it is that those hands and mouths are to be cooperative throughout life and not to be interfered with. See Howells, page 148. Here is Lincoln voicing the socialist position in the class struggle, the inherent right of every man to the product of his labor, without handing over to any other man all of it except that which is necessary to sustain his miserable existence. 7. Note the stinging rebuke in the words of Lincoln to our latter-day political saints who are advocating a centralized government to be in charge of a few leaders trained for the job. Quote, If the majority should not rule, who would be the judge? We shall be bound by the majority of the American people. If not, then the minority must control. Would that be right? Would it be just or generous? Assuredly not. I reiterate that the majority should rule. At present, we are ruled by a small oligarchy of money despots, any three of whom could tie up the wheels of industry of this country in forty-eight hours think of it ninety millions of people who do all the useful work owned and controlled by a half-dozen capitalists crazy system is it not then why don't you change it eight in his annual message of july fifth eighteen sixty-one abraham lincoln expressed the stand held by socialists when he said Whatever concerns the whole should be confided to the whole, the general government. End quote. See Life by Raymond, page 186. Socialism means that everything which is used in common should be owned in common. Socialism means that all the tools of industry should be owned and operated by the working class. Socialism demands, with Lincoln, that the necessities of life, mines, forests, fisheries, railroads, telegraphs, streetcars, telephones, in fact all public utilities, shall be owned and operated by all of the people. 9. It is a remarkable coincidence that over 50 years ago the city of Milwaukee listened to what was probably its first lesson in international sympathy, cooperation, and brotherhood, and that its teacher was not an undesirable foreigner nor a dangerous socialist a marx or an engel but a simon pure american who ought to pass muster with our most ultra-american critics who however taboo all such radical utterances of the great emancipator who said on this occasion in a speech to correct evils great and small which spring from want of sympathy and from a positive enmity among strangers as nations or individuals, is one of the highest functions of civilization. End quote. See Complete Works, Volume 1, page 576. Socialism is the great grand principle which is today rapidly uniting the working class of every nation and pointing out its goal, this same cooperative sympathy which Abraham Lincoln advocated. 10. Again, in his Milwaukee speech, we hear the gentle Lincoln wax satirical and lash the class conscious exploiters of the toilers of his day when he said, quote, By the mudsill theory, it is assumed that labor and education are incompatible, and any practical combination of them is impossible. According to that theory, a blind horse upon a treadmill is a perfect illustration of what a laborer should be. All the better for being blind that he could not kick, understandingly. According to that theory, the education of laborers is not only useless, but pernicious and dangerous. In fact, it is in some sort deemed a misfortune that laborers should have heads at all. Those same heads are regarded as explosive materials, only to be safely kept in damp places as far as possible from that peculiar sort of fire which ignites them a yankee who could invent a strong-handed man without a head would receive the everlasting gratitude of the mudsill advocates the capitalistic papers prelates and other henchmen of the money power who give gratuitous advice to the working class to be obedient and faithful to their employers to be religious and restrain themselves were evidently busy in Lincoln's day and were understood by the keen, far-seeing, class-conscious working man as he was to his dying day and who hit them hard in his own quaint way. 11. More than 50 years ago, Abraham Lincoln stood on truly socialistic ground when he addressed the striking shoemakers at New Haven, Connecticut, when he said, quote, I am glad to see that a system of labor prevails in New England, under which laborers can strike when they want to, where they are not obliged to work under all circumstances, and are not tied down and obliged to labor whether you pay them or not. When one starts poor, as most do in this race of life, free society is such that he knows that he can better his condition. He knows that there is no fixed condition of labor for his whole life. I am not ashamed to confess that twenty-five years ago I was a hired laborer, mauling rails at work on a flatboat, just what might happen to any poor man's son. I want every man to have the chance, and I believe the black man is entitled to it, in which he can better his condition." The above utterance of Lincoln is the ethical basis of the strike, and it is the end for which socialists are striving a system which will allow every boy and every girl an equal chance to rise in the world and to better his or her condition twelve at alton illinois in eighteen fifty eight in a speech we again hear abraham lincoln voicing a socialist principle in the following that is the issue that will continue in this country when these poor tongues of judge douglas and myself shall be silent It is the eternal struggle between these two principles, right and wrong, throughout the world. They are the two principles that have stood face to face from the beginning of time and will ever continue to struggle. The one is the common right of humanity and the other the divine right of kings. It is the same principle in whatever shape it develops itself. It is the same spirit which says, you work and toil and earn bread and all eat it. No matter in what shape it comes, whether from the mouth of a king who seeks to bestride the people of his own nation and live by the fruit of their labor, or from one race of men as an apology for enslaving another race, it is the same tyrannical principle. Debates, page 234. If Abraham Lincoln would give expression to these same words from a soapbox in many places in America today, he would likely be arrested and jailed. That is what is happening to many of the socialist speakers who are preaching the identical precepts thirteen a way back in eighteen thirty seven in a speech in the illinois legislature mr lincoln in speaking of the brazenness of the capitalists of his day said these capitalists generally act harmoniously and in concert to fleece the people and now that they have got into a quarrel with themselves we are called upon to appropriate the people's money to settle the quarrel see tarbell second volume page twenty eight the above shows that mr lincoln had a very clear conception of the characteristics of the capitalist class and had no sympathy with them he was astounded at their nerve how much more so would he have been could he have foretold that jackpotting legislatures in that same illinois assembly some 63 years later, would have the gall to band themselves together under the caption of Lincoln leaguers going through the great commonwealth of Illinois, exhorting the people to vote against the initiative, referendum, and recall, as did U.S. Senator Billy Lorimer and his bathroom conspirators. Perish the thought. 14. On November 1864, President Lincoln gave voice to this prophecy, As a result of the war, corporations have been enthroned and an era of corruption in high places will follow, and the money power of the country will endeavor to prolong its reign by working upon the prejudices of the people until all wealth is aggregated in a few hands and the republic is destroyed. I feel at this moment more anxiety for the safety of my country than ever before, even in the midst of war. God grant that my suspicions may prove groundless. See Shibley, page 282. The dark clouds of threatening capitalism wrung the very soul of Lincoln, whose clairvoyant eye saw the great class struggle which we are in the midst of today. The weight of it saddened his heart. He was planning to avert the awful financial depression which was sure to follow the war by opening up the inexhaustible mineral wealth of the West to the men who had fought the rebellion. The last message he sent, just before he was leaving for Ford's theater the night of his assassination, as he bade Schuyler Colfax goodbye, was, You were going to the Pacific coast. Do not forget to tell the people in the mining regions what I told you this morning about their development." Goodbye, end quote, April 14th, 1865, See Coffin, page 515. The message was, quote, tell the miners for me that I shall promote their interest to the utmost of my ability, because their prosperity is the prosperity of the nation, and we shall prove in a very few years that we are indeed the treasury of the world, end quote. End of Little Sermons in Socialism by Abraham Lincoln by Burke McCarty Recording by Stephen Seidel